Well, hello. My name is Johnny Brower. I'm one of the pastors here at First Methodist Mansfield. So good to be in worship with you today. And wherever you are in worship, whether it's here, whether it's on a video, whether it's in another room, hi. Um, it is so good to be here, and I want to welcome you to worship here at First Methodist Mansfield. I hope this place has been a place of welcoming, uh, has also been a place that displays our mission as making disciples of Jesus Christ who will love God, love others, and serve the world. If this is your very first time in worship with us today, I want to extend a special welcome and also would like to invite you to a connecting point immediately following the service. Uh, we would love to meet you and, and get to know you there. Before we get started, I'd like to draw your attention to the bulletin that you got on the way in. If you look on the book, the book, the back of that bulletin, you will find some blank lines and a heading that says notes, which is a place for you to, you guessed it, take notes. Um, anything that, that happens in here that uh, particularly touches your heart, any way that God speaks to you, I invite you to write it down there. It could be a song that you want to remember and listen to later, a specific lyric from that song, a scripture reference, um, maybe one of the notes uh, from the sermon. I know for me, when I'm actively participating uh, in worship uh, by writing some notes, that I get a lot more out of it, and I will see those notes later, and it helps me remember and to reflect. You'll also notice at the bottom of that page there's a website, www.growpraystudy.org. That is our online GPS guide. It's daily scripture readings. It's a, a devotional that we, we produce here in-house. Our pastors write that. Uh, and it is a wonderful resource. If you have yet to check that out, I hope you would go to that website, check it out. Um, also, if you'd like to pick up a hard copy of this week's readings, you can uh, on your way out the door. There's a blue sign in any one of our venues. There's a blue sign that has the paper that you can grab. Now, let's begin today by taking a look at our key scripture for today. And it can be found in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, uh, which is the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bible app on your phone or tablet, go ahead and fire that up to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. We'll be looking at 29 through 32. If you have an old school Bible with actual pages, uh, it is in the New Testament. New Testament starts with Matthew, then it goes Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Impressed? Thanks. Thanks. I wrote it down, so <laughs> just in case. I was a little nervous that I might forget when I got up here. Um, so we're going to take a look at chapter 4, verses 29 through 32. If you would, read with me, please. Well, not out loud, but I'm going to read it, but read along with me. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. May God add his blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. Let us pray. O oh God, my rock and my redeemer, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Send your Holy Spirit into this place that this finite human 
with his finite words, may attempt to present you the infinite. Amen. Now, it's been almost a year since I have become a dad. Uh, We're coming up on that. uh, Charlie just turned four. What a great birthday that was. So it's been almost a year. And I have this question uh, for all of you parents in the room. Is it just me, or as soon as you have kids, do you do your ears become a little bit more sensitive? Okay, so it's not just me. The things that you say, the things that you listen to, the things that you watch, the things that others say around you, it's not necessarily that you didn't notice these things before, but suddenly the sensitivity is raised and you're hearing things on, in a whole new way. So a confession here, I have reached the age where I like to listen to talk radio. Um, I don't know what age that is. I don't know when that switch flips, but it has in me. And, and I know for, for some of you that, that says a lot about who I am and you're judging me right now and that's okay. Uh, but one of the things that, one of the stations I frequent is a sports talk radio station because I love sports. I love talk radio. Why not listen to the radio talk about sports? Um, and I had always known that on this, on this station that the language was a bit salty from time to time. Um, but, you know, as an adult, you can kind of filter a little bit, and I really liked uh, the sports talk. But it was, I was never more aware of the language and, and the subject of the language uh, until one day I'm driving in the car, and poor, innocent, sweet Charlie is sitting in the back seat in his car seat, and I tune into the radio, and I begin to hear things, and I think, my goodness, there's no way that this can be playing in my car with my young, impressionable child in the back seat. For those of you that don't know, my wife and I adopted um, our son Charlie from Uganda almost a year ago. Uh, and while we were, and, and still are to some extent, working on mastering the English language, these aren't the words and phrases that I'm hoping that he masters. <laughs> We don't want to be those parents who has that kid, right? (laughs) Uh, Maybe you've had a similar experience. Maybe one day your sweet, young, innocent child full of wonder and joy is playing with their toys or playing outside, and all of a sudden a word comes out of their mouth that would make a nun blush, and, and you think to yourself, where in the world did you hear that? And you began to rack like, who are the kids that he plays with at school, and I need to talk to their parents, and yada, yada, yada. And then suddenly this flashback happens of you stubbing your toe in front of your kid. And in an effort to express the pain and frustration that you feel, you, uh, you express yourself quite audibly and a little bit less than holy. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that everybody does that. I'm just saying that I've heard it's been done before. <laughs> it's funny how a child can quickly expose the carelessness of our words and our speech. And we know that we want to choose our words carefully around kids uh, because we're aware that to some extent our words are powerful. They have the ability to shape a child's identity, to to shape their world, and they may even play a, a large role in defining their life's trajectory. The truth is, from time to time, we can all be a bit careless with our words. And the truth is, it's not just children that are touched and affect, affected by our words. We can, without thinking, say stuff in haste or in anger that we don't mean. And it's often when we're faced with the negative consequences of those things that we've said that we really begin to examine their potency. 
Today we're going to spend some time reflecting on the power of our words that hopefully we, be can, we can examine our speech and our hearts and that way we can avoid those negative consequences to some extent, but also be empowered with what our words are capable of. We're going to examine scripture to see that the words we use and choose are directly linked to Christ's call on our lives to participate in the life-giving power of God's love. That was a really big sentence, but we'll, we'll tease that out in just a minute. Uh, we'll leave, hopefully, with a renewed understanding of the power of words and the, that they have to create good and evil, the power they have to tear down or to build up, to curse or to bless, to give life or to destroy it. And hopefully, we'll leave with a few practical things to help guide us as we seek to honor God and to honor each other with what we say. Now, if we were to take a look back at the beginning of our Bible, uh, at the book of Genesis or the the book of beginnings, uh, the writer of Genesis describes the creation of the cosmos in the best way that he or she knows how. When selecting the preferred mode of creation, the creator did not say, as, as uh, as the writer says it, that the creator did not say, God did not say, and God built light. Or, and God cooked up some trees and plants. The writer did not use the phrase, and God invented birds and animals. No. The writer says that God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then he named the light and the dark. God said, let there be sky and oceans. God said, let the land appear. God said, let there be trees and plants. God said, let there be fish and birds. God said, let there be animals. And God said, let me create something special, something in my likeness. And God created humans. God said, and the world came to be. As the writer of Genesis sees it, there was no better way to describe the indescribable. There was no better way to describe the creation of the world than for the Almighty to speak it into existence. And as those humans that were created in God's image, we find later in the story that we were given the responsibility of participating in this whole speaking and creating business. If you look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, it says this, So out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. That's kind of cool. God was like, hey, it's your turn, buddy. And it was almost like training wheels. Like, come on, okay, how about this one? What, what do you, you want to call that one? Um, a tiger. Like, that's very good. A tiger it shall be. Next, what's the next one? Um, elephant. Wonderful. That's a cool name. It seems to fit that large creature with a trunk. Elephant it is. Next, what about this one? Um, platypus. Well, that was a good try. Well, we'll, we'll just keep moving. Next one. Keep. But we get, to, we get to participate in shaping this world that God created by using our world, words as well. So not only does God use words to create the world, but God gives humans the ability to use their words to shape that world. So in a sense, words created the world and words shape the world. 
So the question we must ask ourselves is this, how are my words shaping the world around me? The truth is we could spend weeks examining how our words shape the various aspects of our lives, but I want to throw out a few questions for our consideration today. And if you feel led, you can use that little note section we talked about earlier uh, to write some of these areas down if these particular areas pertain to you. So first thing is this, how are your words shaping the relationships in your life and the worlds that surround those? More specifically, how about your marriage, if you're married? How are your words shaping your marriage? Are they building up? Are they tearing down? Are they cursing? Or are they blessing? What about in your family? How are your words shaping the worlds of your children? Your parents? Your siblings? What about at your kid's baseball game? That's a tough one for some people. Things look a lot like tearing down rather than building up there. What about at your kid's baseball game or soccer match or dance recital? Or when they bring, the, bring home their grades from school? Are your words building or are they tearing down? What about your other relationships at work, at school, at church? How are your words shaping that world? What about on Facebook and Twitter? How are you shaping the world with 140 characters? Some people forget that our words still matter on the internet too. How about in politics? That's a tough one. How are your words shaping the world when it comes to your political views? Are your words more about opening the eyes of those around you and those that you love, or is it more about poking them? Because often I feel like the things that I read and the things that I hear, it feels like people are more interested in being right and poking other people's eyes than necessarily opening their, the eyes to their worldview. That's a tough one. And on that note, how about our faith? How are we shaping that world with, with words about our faith? Are the words we're using to describe our faith and the love and grace of God accurately reflecting that love and grace? Ephesians chapter 4, 29. We read this earlier. We're going to look at it again. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. One of the things you do when you're studying scripture, if you're reading scripture, uh, one of the first ways to start diving deeper into scripture is to pick out words that seem to stick out to you and then wonder why they use that word. For me, I wonder, so what is evil talk? Something that would be easy to glance over when you're talking religiously, like there's good and evil and these mystical powers, but when it, when it comes down to it and Paul is saying, let no evil talk come out of my mouth, what is evil talk? So, uh, we turn to the original language that, that Paul writes this letter in, uh, it, which is Greek. Um, that's what the New Testament was written in, so you can go back to the Greek, if you can read Greek and, and, and take a look at it, or you can just search on the internet, what's the Greek word for this or whatever, uh, if you want to do that. Um, but when looking back into the Greek, the word that is translated into evil 
in this place is sapros. And sapros is used in a few other places uh, in Scripture. And it is actually defined as this, rotten or putrid or rank or foul or worthless. When Jesus talks about the tree and uh, a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit, they use that word there too, rotten, foul, putrid, rank fruit, right? It's worthless. It's good for nothing. It just needs to be tossed out. That's the word that, that gets translated into evil here. Now you got a little better picture of what evil talk is because you've probably heard it. You may have said it. But instead, speak only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. One needs only to turn on the news, uh, any 24-hour news network or your local news for that matter, to log on to the internet, to read a newspaper if those still exist. I don't know if they do. To know that we live in a world with debates on so many things that create so much conflict and, and, and put people at odds because we forget how to use our words in healthy, growing, good ways and often spur on this rank, foul, putrid talk. It's almost instinctual. We live in a world with debates on healthcare and immigration on terrorism, on questions surrounding the LGBTQ community and, and civil rights and unresolved issues of race. And the words that we speak into those worlds matter. Whatever side you find yourself on in those places, your words matter when you speak into those worlds. Now, am I saying that there could be no disagreement among us when it comes to um, any of these things? Absolutely not. Am, am I saying that it's, it's never okay is, uh, to, to be angry? Of course not. Things make us angry, and often anger comes out of a passion for justice, which is a great thing. But to, to speak out of that anger, to speak unfiltered out of that anger, we, we put ourselves in trouble Right in, in danger of that evil talk. Paul actually talks about that a little bit earlier in that Ephesians chapter 4. When he says it's, 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 it's fine to be angry, but don't let that dictate how you speak and how you act. Am I saying that it's not okay to have an opinion? No. And am I saying that it's not okay to stand up for what you believe in? Heavens no. I am saying that our words are often more powerful than we give them credit for, and we must pay careful attention to their effects on the world around us. Nathaniel Hawthorne, um, famous author, um, if you uh, went to high school and read books, um, you had to read probably The Scarlet Letter, Nathaniel Hawthorne, or at least thumb through it and, and pretend you read it. Nathaniel Hawthorne once said this about words, that they are so innocent and powerless as they are standing in a dictionary, but how potent for good and evil they become in the hands of one who knows how to combine them. How potent our words can be. 
We have all spoken something in our lives, probably in the heat of the moment, that caused great damage to somebody else. Something we wish we could take back, but once they're out, they're out. Words take only a second to speak, but can be branded on the hearts of the recipient for a lifetime. Some of you have made that mistake. I know I have. I've said some things that I really wish I hadn't. Things that had I examined my heart or my feelings or the situation a little better, I would have chosen my words a little more carefully. Some of you have probably been on the, re the receiving end of some words like that. Some things that you've heard at some point in your life that have shaped who you are, that have been branded on your heart and have been something that you've been trying to work through and deal with. But just as our words can be extremely devastating, they can also be the tool that repairs the heart that is broken. They can breathe life back into an injured soul. Words can build up what was previously torn down. And I will tell you, there are people all around you, many in this room, that are in need of building up. And often, you would never know otherwise. Putting on a brave face, looking like everything's put together, but there's turmoil inside. Everybody could use a little building up. Chapter 4 of Ephesians ends this way. This is verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. And though this command that is given stands for itself, stands pretty well on its own, I believe that we again, we lose a little bit in the English translation. And there is something to be gained here looking back at the original language. So if we look at the Greek again, the word that gets translated into kind, right? Be kind to one another. The word that gets translated into kind in this verse is the word Christoi. Christoi. And that is meant, we believe, to, that uh, when, when this letter was read out loud, which it probably was, uh, when it was spoken that this was an, an aural or an auditory pun. Because later in that verse, we find a word that, that sounds exactly like this word. Christos, which is Christ. So when you read the scripture and you say, be Christoi to everyone, tenderhearted and forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you in Christos. People couldn't help but hear that those words sounded similar. They couldn't help but put those two things together. When they heard it, they, they knew what Christoi meant. They knew it meant kind, but you couldn't help but picture this phrase, be Christ to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Again, it still means the same for us. Be kind. It's exactly what, what he meant. But man, when you hear what kind means and that, that, that the writer of Ephesians, that Paul meant for you to be picturing Christ and to be Christ for one another. There are people all around you that are in need of building up. And when we use our, our words in a way that is good, in a way that is life-giving and affirming, that bless and build up, we, in a way, are sharing Christ 
and we participate in the shaping of the world that God created. Because changing the world doesn't always mean that you quit your job and you pack your family up and you move halfway across the world. It may for some of you in here. But changing the world doesn't always mean that. But it does always involve the words we speak to those around us. Changing the world always involves the words we speak to those around us. So I I wanted to have a few best practices with our words. Uh, Four things that we have here um, that uh, aren't the only ways to use our words in helpful, good, life-giving ways. But I think these are the four that it's pretty hard to mess up. Right? If we're using our words in one of these four ways, that you're, you can be pretty sure you're doing a good job with your words. And so here, here are the four real quick. We're, I mean, we could spend weeks on these things, but I'm just going to give them because they do kind of speak for themselves as well. So if you feel led, please write these down. But the first one is this, to express love often. To express love often, whether that's with a spouse, whether that's with a family member, a friend, your children, It's hard to go wrong when you're expressing love often. Number two, to listen carefully. Now, wait a minute. (laughs) I feel sometimes words are best when they go unused. Am I right? This is a hard one for me because I really love to talk. That's why I do this up here. Um, I love to talk and I love to fix things and I love to hear you know, what people are talking about, and I feel like it's always my job to tell them how to fix it. And and often that's not what anybody's looking for at all. Often it's much better when we learn to listen instead of being so quick to speak. That's in the Bible too, if you're wondering. Number three, our words are well used when they're saying, I'm sorry or I forgive you. Words of grace are always helpful and are always well used. And number four, our words are best used when they're expressing gratitude. When they're expressing gratitude. So I'd like to challenge you uh, this week, and this is something that would be a great practice for the rest of your life, but I want you to at least just Try it this week, a little experiment. Uh, I'm going to put a scripture up on the screen. I'm not going to do it. Somebody's going to do it. Uh, put a picture up on this, uh, uh, a scripture up on the screen. And I would like us right now to read this scripture from Psalm 19:14. I want us to read this together out loud. Upstairs, in the loft, here in the chapel. Let's read this out loud together. Ready? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart Be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Let's say it again. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. I would like to challenge you to write this on a card when you get home. 
uh, note card or a little scrap of paper. Actually, I'd like you to write it on several cards or scraps of paper, and I would like you to choose some areas, some spaces in, you, in your life that you frequent. So it could be your bathroom and on the mirror, uh, on your car dashboard, uh, in the kitchen, on, on the refrigerator, in your office, um, in the living room. I want you to post this everywhere. And when you enter those spaces of your life, when you enter into those spaces, I ask that you begin with that prayer. It could be out loud, it could be quietly to yourself, but just center yourself in that space with this prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, for you are my rock and my redeemer. Speak those words, uh, and hopefully, as we enter those spaces and we pray those words, that they may be a reminder that Everything that we say, that we do, everything that we speak has the potential to create life or to destroy it, and that you are choosing to create life. That you are choosing to participate in the positive shaping of the world, to give life, to give grace, to give love, to give hope, to build up and not tear down, to bless and not to curse. We're not going to get this perfect. We're going to mess up. We're human. It happens. I feel like this is a really great strategy for centering ourselves in every aspect of our life and devoting that to God and knowing that the things that we say matter. So I'd like to close us now with a word of prayer together. Let us pray. Oh God, creator and sustainer of all things, we are thankful for your presence and your power in this place. Grant us the wisdom and discernment to speak truth and love. May we be inspired by you and the life of your son to participate in the creating and shaping of the world around us. As we partake of this holy mystery, the sacrament of communion, let us remember your word that was made flesh and the grace extended to us through his life, death, and resurrection. Amen.